Tay, I'm Heems, Himanshu, Hema. I just watched Cradle to the Grave with the Cabbages guys, and you're listening to them now. open to open this whole thing up okay sure it's not about the movie per se Uh are you mad are you mad gary am i mad mad? yeah no why would i be mad we just watched a a movie that i'm gonna say uh both of us enjoyed i had a fun time with this film i enjoyed this film it wasn't particularly a good film no but i you know We've been watching bad films for so long that this thing was a, a real, you know, a real godsend. Yeah, and look, like, this oh, is cool. technically it's not Rollerball. Excellent. No, no, it's not Rollerball. I because not... I went all in and watched like all of the old Rollerball. Yeah, you did. <clears throat> I had like six plus hours of Rollerball madness when one week. I mean, Godspeed to you, but that's that feels excessive. I don't really know how much that uh that really. Was but worth this your one, time. you know. It's it's a movie that's memorable in scenes, but like totally forgettable as a general idea. It's been done to death. Yeah, it's These action. People have all done it together before. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, it's like repeat cast and everything. Right. It, it's it's you know just kind of a a washover, but like sitting down with it two times and like really taking notes and stuff. It's it's a bizarre, fun little piece. I wonder how our guests will feel about it. This movie would technically like Rollerball um, and like My Baby's Daddy mm. would have qualified for Bad Movie Battle if that's what we were doing. Is that right? I forgot to look at the score. What was 26 percent? Yeah, that would have qualified as a qualifier. Yeah, it would have it would have qualified. So it's a bad movie. So our guest, and we've got a great guest today, woo, uh, may not like this movie. You and I like this movie. It's just been a while since we've had. It's like a film that most critics opposition didn't... because, like, this is the beauty of taking off the constraints of the battle. Okay, you know what I mean. Is now okay. we can just like enjoy what we enjoy about it and not enjoy what we not enjoy. But the mystery of coming in and not having to like convince our guest to like or dislike the film. Mm-hmm. You know what? Yeah, Who gives a no shit game. if Heems likes the movie? <laughs> yeah, there's no oh, there's no ga- well, there's no game needed there. Like we have no. to have a game. We're trying to game it when there's a an actual contest. This is just like okay, if you like the watched, movie, we watched a DMX film, and you know what? Technically, we don't really have to count this as a DMX movie because Dragon is in it. Correct. So this we can could still be watch another DMX. the Dragon episode. Right. You know, we haven't really set, just to be clear to the audience, we haven't like publicly set parameters per se. We are keeping no. a pretty broad definition for this rapper movie season. Like there's a wide range of things. Like we're going to get into stuff where it's like, sure. you'll see some of the things that are on our list that we're going to. But rappers through. as actors is a, is a key part of it. Yes. So that's, that's where crucial, we're kind of leading in. A crucial linchpin. But there's, there's more in that, in that larger genre to work with. But I, I want to stress that, um, we are kind of coming into this with the idea of like one rapper per movie, meaning like every movie we pick is representative of that rapper. We're not like duplicating it. So we did Cradle to the Grave as a drag on film. I'm going can, on record. Okay. So if we say that's a drag this on is, film, you should just title this the drag on episode. Cradle we to better the make Grave. sure that when we talk with our guest, whose name you dropped, uh before it's <laughs> fine it's in the sh- it's in the show notes people know who we're fucking they'll talking know. to they'll it's know Heems. we're gonna we're advertise talking to Heems. it talking to Heems. We're talking to Heems, baby like yeah so like we can Queens, say baby. whatever you want but like this is a this is a we're gonna talk about dragon if, if we're gonna say it's a dragon episode and i'm sure we will um but yeah we could say this is a dragon episode we can say that um we can't we can't we would technically not do another ll cool j movie no, we can't do LL Cool J because we did Rollerball. We did, and like that means we like really fucked that up. And with some, <laughs> and look, I think we could have picked a better LL Cool J movie for uh-huh. sure. I think, we um, too. but you know, we chose not to do Belly when we were originally talking about this as a DMX movie. We chose not I'm to still do open Belly, to it, but I get it. 
But, you know, I mean, look, I think it's been talked about a lot by people who know more than we do. Belly has been deconstructed and discussed yeah. and, and recognized. I don't know how much our witty banter and stoner nonsense that, is going to really add that. to that. I mean, but, I think I think you're right. So but cradle to the grave. That's a discussion. It is. And that's what we're going to have. We're going to have a discussion about cradle to the grave. I am very excited to introduce our guest today, a proud product of Queens, New York. Himanshu Suri is perhaps best known as Heems. He's a rapper, activist, music industry insider, and tastemaker. You no doubt know him from the hip-hop groups Das Racist and Sweatshop Boys, as well as solo projects such as 2015's Essential, Eat, Pray, Thug. He's about to put out vinyl editions of Shut Up Dude, Sit Down Man, and Nehru Jacket, so look out for those. Please welcome Heems to the show. Hello and welcome. Yo, 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 yo. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Man, thank you so much for doing this with us. Uh, we figured if we're going to do a movie starring a New York rapper, then we need to have a discussion with a New York rapper. Yeah. That just seemed to be the most logical way. Can I start by just asking, Just were you a big Rough Riders fan? I didn't mind Rough Riders. I thought they were cool. I, I definitely went to The Wall and bought both the DMX's albums when they came out. And I mm. thought, um, I, oh, shit. I mean, my fucking first screen name on AOL was DMX06. So, oh, okay. I was very excited about like that generation of rap with like, I think like Ja Rule, DMX, and Jay Z were going to start like a rap group together or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were. I was really excited about Ja Rule when like Venny Vedi v- Vicious came out in junior high. And like me and my boy K Ron were like super excited for that to come out. I remember talking about that. So, this general era of rap was definitely something I was into. And I always really like Swiss Beats. And mm-hmm. I also like really appreciate when Swiss Beats tries to rap. Like that song that's like um, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, I'm trying to get that Oprah. I thought that was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a really good underrated song. And so I really like when producers rap too and they're not like that good at it. But when you take like the fact that they made the song with the raps together, you're like, this is... A- this is better than most singer-songwriters. You mentioned The Wall, which I think is a reference that a lot of people aren't going to get, but I get. Now, I remember there was The Wall in Forest Hills on Austin Street, which I purchased plenty of stuff from back in the day. Did you put the stickers on the front of those DMX CDs for the lifetime guarantee? I, I don't I don't remember that. I definitely remember, though, going to The Wall like every Tuesday with my allowance money and buying cassettes. Mm. Like, the first two cassettes I bought, and probably why... I'm more partial to it was written than Illmatic and like and like Mariah Carey's um like Daydream was the name of the album maybe or the one with like Always Be My Baby. Those shows cassettes were like the first cassettes I bought and I'm still to this day happy with those purchases. Shifting to DMX as an actor, uh, how much of his uh, filmography were you uh, familiar with prior to uh, watching Cradle to the Grave for this? Yeah, let me tell you like this. I was really uh, upset at how much I hated this movie because the pairing of X and Jet Li was, you know, um, Romeo Must Die is like one of my favorite movies. And so I think like X was okay as like, uh, like side character, but to hold his own for a whole movie, like he can't do it. It wasn't good. I hated this movie. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> Jeff, don't Jeff, are you no, laughing? No, I am laughing. Of course I'm laughing. Look, look, why can't laugh at the fact that he hated the movie? Uh mm-hmm. comparatively, I mean, like I think we're coming to this movie from perilous lows in filmmaking. Really awful, awful, truly trash films. Uh, we've watched we've some watched straight movies. garbage. Yeah. We watched some and, straight garbage this, before this. Comparative to that is a godsend for us like, yeah really, your opinion's tainted because yeah. your opinion tainted because of like this stuff you've had to watch leading up to this so i'm sure you know compared to the general <laughs> oeuvre of cabbages films this is probably yeah. like good um but as far as like 
<laughs> my taste in films is just trash you know <laughs> yeah the the era that it comes from was also flooded with trope action sure like a lot of it more than you could imagine uh was coming out and coming out and coming out and this was in that era you know i think i read a bunch of the old reviews and the reviewers were basically like why are we doing this anymore please stop making these films yeah the reviewers were sick of kind of these action yeah. films but at the same time it's like jet lee being this like massive film star in china by the mid 90s like and then like comes over to the u.s and like his first movie is lethal weapon 4 which mm. i think still is like his highest grossing film of all time as a result like it, it's some ridiculous number that movie made, which you don't think about that one as much but like yeah it's like he did that and that catapulted him to be able to do romeo must die and then like i mean when he did the one i saw the one in theaters i think it it opened opposites like one of the star wars prequels and so everybody in that theater i went to went and saw star wars prequel that weekend and i went to see the one because <laughs> that was like i'm like i want to see jet lee i don't want to see i don't want to see anakin skywalker uh, i want to see jet so lee much, Gary. i think you made the right choice you did mm. oh i think the star wars movies are are completely trash and Jet Li's the one had two Jet Li's in it, which if Jet Li's going to act opposite anyone, he should act opposite himself. If you had to, like, top five New York actor rappers, right? Mm -hmm. um, so my list is going to go, number one, Fredro Star, Firestar. Oh, excellent point. Number two, Method Man. Mm -hmm. Number three, I don't know. Those are the only two that I could think of. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's do like then. a top three. Then do it's DMX. Top, <laughs> you do a top three and then it's DMX, right? Yeah. No, Ice Cube. <laughs> Ice-T. Ice-T, yeah, right. but Ice-T Ice technically, he's now a New York guy. Where is he from? Well, he's L.A. He was he's an L.A. guy. He was L.A. So. Oh, yeah. It's just he's been on SVU for 23 years. He's been doing Law & Order for so long. It's like, yeah, he's a New York guy now. Nah, right. bro, Newark, New Jersey. He was doing all that shit out in California for years. So he's originally oh, New, New York, New Jersey. Moved to L.A. and then came back to New York. That That, I think, qualifies as a New York. And so we're treating Newark with the same rules as the Port Authority does, where they count that as right. a New York airport. I think that's real. Okay. All right. No, I think it's good. Those are good picks. Speaking specifically to New York. New York. To New York. Then um, I'm going to say it's Method Man is, is number one. I think he is the most enjoyable on screen, hands down. Was Shaheen the current actor? Oh, did Shaheem ever do any movies? It's cool. We're only like just really getting into like this season. I feel like we're going to get really deep into yeah. who did movies. Like, I mean, Ja Rule did movies, but I don't think anybody, I don't think any of them are going to be great based on what I've read about them so far. I'm a little skeptical about that. Yeah, Shaheem um, acted a little bit on okay. a show called The Parenthood. Um, all right, so here's my list. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I like this. This is I like this yeah, is an organic yeah. conversation about I this ranking. It. I like I love we got to rankings. Okay, here we go. So I'm gonna go with uh uh Fredro Star first. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go with Method Man second. Mm -hmm. Um and then I gotta confirm one more person. All right, Tupac third. He's from Brooklyn. He he was born in Brooklyn. Okay, you're you're going yeah. by you're going by your origin. I get that. Okay. Okay, I'm going with Ice T, uh -huh. number four. Um, I I gotta I don't know where Dougie Fresh is from. Um, oh, good question. Yeah, yeah. But I gotta go with Dougie Fresh somewhere on this list. Mm -hmm. From he's from Harlem. Um, right, okay, so there you go. Then I'll probably throw in all right, Shaheem. I didn't say him. He was on mm -hmm. the parent Parenthood. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, LL Cool J is getting a low, low, low mark, but LL Cool J, um, I actually don't mind watching CSI Los or um, what NCIS Los Angeles. That show's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
uh and i like when um he was on that movie with the the dolphins or the sharks where his, his hat is like a a, a a shark's fin or yeah with deep blue sea My yeah. shark's fin. and then i'm gonna go with like um 50 cent and uh yeah. then like, maybe like uh ja rule did some acting sure. and, yeah he uh, did he did all right pop smoke was in that eddie huang movie he and, was yeah that's true I, I, I'm, I, there's a name I'm waiting for you to say, and I, I don't know if you're going to get there. I have a, I have a number one that hasn't been mentioned, which is Queen Latifah. She's from Latifah. Yeah, there we go. She's from Newark. I mean, yeah, maybe Method Man's my favorite because I love Wu Tang so much, but Queen she's Latifah up there. should be first, to be honest. I think so too. She should be first on most of these lists. I would put her maybe second behind Meth, but yeah, she's fantastic. I and who are you thinking, Gary? I'm. I was surprised that no one's mentioned Sticky Fingers yet. Oh, yeah. see, I just go straight to Fredro Star, but but Sticky Fingers, he did some work. We've we've done. We did Leprechaun. Back to the hood. Back to the hood. Yeah. Yeah, we did that. We did that. We did that on like our second season. Yeah. So was that like one of your best episodes? We were very tired of talking about the Leprechaun at that point. <laughs> Leprechaun in the hood, though the the one before that, the fifth movie. Is the one with Ice T, and that movie is yeah. fucking. It's a giver, a delight. Yeah, you know, I gotta movie throw shit. I gotta throw two more people up on here. It. Um, wait, I said Dougie Fresh, right? But did I mean Dougie Doug? Well, I was gonna. Um, add, that's what I was yeah, gonna ask you about that. He was in. Uh, what was it called? Yeah, I meant Dougie Classic. Doug. And then, oh, this is gonna kill me. All right, there's someone else that'll come back to me later. Yeah. Oh yeah, Yasine Bay. Mm. Right. Oh my God! Why did? How could we overlook? That is, yeah. Like I think you could find so many extraordinary roles that he had. I mean, like I even liked him in that fucking um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where he plays what Zaffa Breezelbox. Let like, me it's ask not even you. him. All right. So obviously, you know, Cameron had a movie, so we'll toss him in there too. Yes, uh, Cameron gets that for sure. Well, we're gonna cover Cameron. You know what about? <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, I'm not counting him at all. All right, Action mm-hmm. Bronson was in a Scorsese movie. Yeah, he's in the he's in the Irishman for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Joey Badass did a movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that. Uh, Ace Rocky was in Dope. Right. Yeah. 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 All uh, right. You know what? This is a sleeper hit. I'm gonna toss in another person. Aquafina. Aquafina. Nora. Aquafina, oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think I've, I've ever seen anything with Aquafina. I watched that. Um, what was it? Ryan the Last Dragon. She plays the dragon mm. in the title. That's good. She was in. She's, um, in, she's in Shang Chi, right? Shang Chi was awesome. Great I fucking. She's really TV fun. Show, yeah. She's fun in that. Well, she and then Nora from Queens the TV show. Right. Um. Yeah. No, I think there's a we have a really rich history of rappers going. Yeah, that's why to one acting. of the reasons we want to do the season. That's why I want to do the season. It's like we yeah. like there's so much to explore, so people will do it. Just like at some point, I guess we gotta talk about the movie a little. But... Yeah, so let's talk about it because Dragon. <laughs> why was Dragon, Dragon? Yes, let's do it. Why was Dragon in this movie in like a role that felt like it could have gone to like Lorenz Tate or somebody if they wanted like a dude that looked like that? I'm I'm confused about Dragon's place within the group in general like what is dragon's job at one point is to if we get caught you take all of the stolen shit and run i guess he's an escapist he's good in another scene he's a and in another scene he's a sniper right which like they had a no guns policy so kind of weird that he's just like excellent as a sniper they revoked the revoked the no guns policy at his behest. Right. Right. He's a but, utility man. Yeah. Right. I mean, the thing with him too utility is like infielder. <laughs> it's like he's because like Anthony Anderson's character is comic relief. He's there for a reason. Gabrielle Union's character, she's there for a reason. Consistent honey potting. She is honey potting. She honey pots and she honey pots very well. Hard. But Dragon's role is like. Like I, I didn't quite catch it first on the first viewing. Again, I was pretty stoned for the first viewing, because um, we always watch these movies twice for this for the show because we miss something usually on the first one. We quite catch on the second. I didn't realize it was Dragon in the very beginning when Jet Li is kicking his ass on the subway tracks 
it was only afterwards I'm like, oh shit, that's Dragon. Why? Why do you sign up for a movie where you're gonna just get your ass kicked by Jet Li? I mean, let's yeah. okay, yes, it's an honor, but you know, yeah, it's an honor. Yeah, you know, great cast, by the way. Yeah, uh, Anthony Anderson, Gabrielle Union. No idea where Tom Arnold fits in. Why? I mean, <laughs> what the heck? Um, ah. I love that guy from John Wick. Is his name Ling? I mean, the the villain is. Oh he, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I've actually just been watching all those movies, like basically, like in succession, getting ready for the fourth one to come out. Yeah, Tom Arnold though is a mystery, because Tom Arnold is like he had like obviously he comes up through celebrity marriage and celebrity divorce. And then he he lands that role opposite Arnold Schwarzenegger in True Lies, and then suddenly it's like, oh, now he's somebody. And then he just spends like the next several years like doing terrible comedies, failed TV shows, and guest appearances and stuff. So there's just nothing. But then he comes back in Exit Wounds, the movie, the same director before this. He comes back and does Exit Wounds. And then the same director basically brings back most of the cast from Exit Wounds, other than Steven Seagal, to be the main people in this movie. Dragons in Exit Wounds too. From that, oh, is he? Yeah. Oh man. Oh. But it's so, not a sequel. I thought this was a sequel at first. No, it's the same people. Because it doing says Cradle to roles. the Grave. Cradle to the Grave. Like. Like you thought. How is it not a two? sequel? But it's, it's not. not. They're it's different called characters. Exit two wounds. No. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I have, I have a question about the title. Why what? is this movie called Cradle to the Grave? Zero oh. cradles. Why? Why do you have any any anybody have an understanding of why this movie is called Cradle to the Grave? No idea. What about if, this movie has anything to do with that? If they that were concept? to, if they were to have like continued their stealing ways you could say they were like stealing from cradle to the grave like they're ready to die for this stealing thing but they quit that too they quit specious it's not i don't get it at all no yeah we don't see like dmx as a young child you know it's not like i mean i i you know by the end he decides to leave behind the life of crime and uh so you know he's like avoiding the grade the grave and then um yeah. his daughter is you know young she she probably had been uh in a cradle at some point um sure. so yeah um, stretching this you know um they're um preventing the daughter to go from the cradle to the grave in uh a, in a expeditious manner um they're trying to uh make sure uh she enjoys the cradle part of her life and doesn't mm. Uh, get to the grave that I solved, was I solved the mystery it was upended a little bit with the whole kidnapping and and bound gagged thing but yeah otherwise i'm I'm into this the, you know what uh, what struck me is like gabrielle union really put in a lot of work i mean she's been in so ooh. many different roles and like she deserves better than this film and she deserves better than a lot of her resume but she Put in work. She seems like quite the professional. She seems Very much so. Like a joy to work with and be on set with. Yeah. And, you know, now I feel like she's like very regal in, in, in is the way I think of her now. Um, but she put in that work and, you know, she was a working actor, actress. And Jesus, like, yeah, she deserves better. It was really... It hurt to see her in this film because I was just like, nah, man, you like, like, what are you doing? What have you, what, what, what did you have to do to get to where you are now? Like, you really, you really had This to was a bottom, like a rock bottom situation. For you. It's a lot of like very, a lot of that role is very sexualized, which is why I was so. Honey potting. Delighted. There's so many honeypots. But I was so delighted when she gets she gets upgraded at the end to be in one of the major fight scenes. Mm. Like now it's like, okay, you get to fight. And yes, it like, was, but also they just played tug of war with a coke. But it's it's the like it's what, the dance. what was the, it's the dance? No, what was the I mean it was cool. I'm glad that she got to be a part of the fight. But like, why did they fight with a coke? 
why weren't they just fighting? Like they were trying to whip each other with the coat, like it was a wet towel. Is there something special about that coat? We weren't, we weren't given a, a key, a, a cue for that in the movie. I think we're just trying to differentiate between the types of action in those final scenes. It's like mm. the big martial arts fight is obviously in the between, burning ring of fire. No, in the burning ring of fire is that. <laughs> and then you have the much more of the kind of like acrobatic fisticuff stuff around mm. the plane that you get with DMX and his daughter's tormentor. And then the ladies are using a coat it makes it seem like you're not watching it redundant. And a lot of the action in this movie really, I mean, there are, there is of course the, the great scene where, where DMX and Jet Li are fighting alongside each other. And then against have to trap dogs in a car. That's of course, what am I, I love that. The action that scenes teamwork. were so over the top. It was the part of this movie that will stick with me. If any does, the part of the yeah. movie that sticks with me is like how, over the top these weird action scenes where he doesn't just like fight somebody in a ring like it's rambo he although he does like fight somebody in a ring dudes. he yeah. fights everybody in a ring <laughs> it fights 13 <laughs> mma fighters he does he fights a little person a big yeah. person and then a bunch of other people huge humans just all in that go for the guy <laughs> who didn't want to fight they're in order of size like the the neanderthal to the human thing it was really something. It was really something how they played that out. And at the end of the day, it's just a reminder of how how awesome Jet Li is. And I really just kind of love, uh, personally, it. I love the sort of opportunities where actors who were doing these movies in like China and Hong Kong and directors who were doing these movies got to come over to, to, to the U.S. and do these movies where we got to see things that we wouldn't otherwise have seen in theaters back then. We had the beautiful benefit now of like, you know, the ability to to rent a lot of these films and to watch them on YouTube right. or you know, you know, or somewhere else. But like this stuff was nece- not necessarily accessible to most people here in the US. If you didn't have a theater that was playing this cool stuff, you were not gonna see, you know, you wouldn't see a John Woo movie, you know. You and now it's you know, but then he came over and he right. does hard target and he does um like face off and broken arrow, and you're like Mission Impossible 2. It's like you got to see like so a taste this, of this. To me, this was like a sort of knockoff woo, right? Like a lot of this stuff was considered sort of knockoff woo. You don't have the budget, you don't mm. have the crew. I don't, I mean, like, I'm not trying to disrespect the movie or whatever, but like why not? Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was there's there's a lot of trope. Yeah. These two characters just sort of like get together because that's what they knew the audience wanted there's no real bond formed per se i think like one of the things that struck me when we're thinking about like you know these actors and stuff coming over is i couldn't really place like the styling of like um jet lee like in that first scene where you see his outfit i was just like is this like what like folks were wearing and where he's from or is this like just the 90s that people dressed like I think poorly. Like, what is the choker he's wearing that looks like a phone yeah. cord? Yeah, oh, yeah. I have a choker, or is that just a '90s thing? And there's, yeah, his like gelled, you know, spiky kind of hair. Like, I just I don't get the look. Um, hmm. And I think it's hard then to like vibe with the character. On the other hand, like Ling, he's got like a stylish leather jacket. Very he's, much so. Look- like he looks kind of cool and badass and he's he and like the other villains aren't dressed that like poorly but like i think they tried to stylize like Jet Li a little bit and they yeah and they mark it's interesting what you bring up because it, I, i'm reminded of sort of this trope that has that kind of occurs in these films something that the screenwriters rely on and it's a sort of like fish out of water situation where mm-hmm. it's like a direct you know you take a a police you know, detective or a military personnel, you bring somebody from another country over to the U.S. to explore a crime, you know, yeah. and obviously in the 90s, it was the opposite. They would bring people from, they'd bring American police detectives over sure. to Asia to do those types of movies. And I, I I remember even like we watched that, Jeff and I tried to watch this thing that starred, um, I Jeff, know you see, Pat remember the name. Marita and Pat Marita Jay and Jay Leno. Uh, it was, it's a, 
it's a nightmare of a movie uh, oh, and wow. it like we had to turn it off because like it was like as offensive as as much like anti-asian sentiment that happens in the scene in prison when jet lee shows up in the prison in this and jump chambers the crime mm-hmm. boss like basically uses every slur he, he can come up with which is just such a dirty trick from the direct from the uh, screenwriter's part there like this movie this movie with jay leno every line and Pat Morita was so offensive, was so offensive. I had to actually turn it off. I'm like, I'm yeah, actually like disgusted. Every now so and bad. again, my algorithm will be like, "Hey man, do you want to watch that again?" And I'm like, "I don't." Please. What was stop. it called? Stop. What was it called? It was like cruise control, or I don't know. Oh, some terrible. Anyway, it's a nightmare. Was, but in that jail scene, Jet Li stabbed a motherfucker with like a lobster claw. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Uh, Ling did a lobster that was claw. Lame. Oh right. That was Jet Li just like awesome. quickly kicked a guy in the face that was coming at him and just knocked him out cold. Yeah, Jet Li got that guy on the ground. But I then also fucking... take a second to uh, highlight uh, probably somebody that I think stole the show in this film, Kelly Hu. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, is just every time she's on screen, she commands the camera. She is, uh, she's a, she's a, she's a national treasure. Yeah. She says the words. She she says the words. I hate kids. Not long believe. after, one of the other dudes said, "I hate sunshine." These people were very unhappy. The, the, the bad she guy. she's a great number two to this villain. She yeah. is, as in terms of like the, the rankings of villains, we see four villains prominently featured in this, and well, not including jump. In terms of the, the hierarchy of, of the ones who've come over from Asia, as right. opposed to jump chambers, is set up. We see those four villains, and each of them have distinct personalities and. She is the perfect number two, the bickering between the bald guy and the tech guy. And as Jeff is ripping this, this bong hit, I think we do have to discuss the auction scene, which is maybe right. the most over-the-top ridiculous thing My in a film full of that. My favorite scene in the film. My what absolute the, favorite. The green lighting? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Very it, difficult to literally watch. You couldn't yeah. look at it. It was it was, it so was like being in the corner of a rave and just seeing like <laughs> also one the, color. it seems to me that the demand is so high that having an auction might not be the best way to like meet out these these stones. Because well, like it the auction the auction is completely insane. At one point someone's like, you know, they started like I'll take five for a million dollars, two yeah. two hundred thousand a piece. And at the end, people are just like screaming numbers that are sometimes lower than the number they just screamed. Nine yeah. million for six stones. We're like, yeah, but you just offered 10 million for five. You can't. Are you just trying to confuse us? Were you seriously doing math during that scene, Jeff? Yes. Wow. They invite it. I was not. The green light is a reflection of the power of this black diamond, which is not a diamond, but is actually yeah, a, a nuclear stone of some sort. It's an then, element. No, so I, I wrote this down. It's an okay. element that was man-made. That's all they tell you. Don't give you the name of the element. It's a man-made mm-hmm. element that okay. reacts the perfect way to activate this nuclear device. And it's the only thing they know of that will activate the device, which is, to me, a design flaw. What The ridiculousness of that scene is, is that so the tech guy is running it, and this green light is your refle- is your mm. uh, indication, other than this graph up a screen that I, they don't see, but he sees, of the power of this thing growing. And he just starts like rattling off things like, this will take out three city blocks. And then he says, Hiroshima. And then two, he two says... Times. Two times Hiroshima. Then two he says, Hiroshima. two Hiroshimas. Two of them. Which, which of all the things in this movie, that's like that is if there's a one liner in this movie, it's two Hiroshima's. And like it's basically a bar, isn't it? Like basically a bar. They just look at a graph of what this yeah. thing could oh. do. They don't. It's and not doing like, anything. Whoa! <laughs> it's crazy. Like they're just crazy. Be, like it's just like how easily could it have been that they put on a laser light show for these fucking arms dealers who buy these junk stones that don't have anything. Like there's no evidence that this stuff's actually going theory, to work. My theory is that they were the gaming DMX. You know what I'm saying? No, like, go on. Michael Douglas in the game. Oh, okay. The game. They're like this whole <laughs> thing was faked to get him to stop robbing people. Mm-hmm. That is a really profound uh, 
uh, approach and obscure approach. It's the only considering, explanation. But oof, no. So I'm I I loved that scene, and then of course because it's so ridiculous, you have to have Anthony Anderson and Tom Arnold come in uh, in a tank. That's the only thing that makes sense. A tank they didn't point. know how to use. I I like that they were all like it was like an international consortium of like arms dealers, but then under the green light, they all just like you couldn't identify what race most of them were. Also, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, New World Order <laughs> brings us all together. It unites all uh, all races. The arms dealers, yeah, were they're super interesting because, because like they only care about money. They're oh, they're well like. Put evil arms dealers that are on all kinds of lists but dmx clearly states that all of them registered to fly to this one particular place together and that's how he knew that that was the place well, so like, even then this is pre 9-11 <laughs> fair enough yeah is i it? mean well the movie came out in 2003 oh but i so actually but that doesn't mean yeah well, I'm not, pretty sure the screenplay it could have been filmed sooner, but the screenplay was definitely not written um, with 9-11 in mind. No. That's what I think, too. Yeah. I guess none of the international arms dealers were brown, so they just let them all fly. No, but they did have one <laughs> that they wanted you to think was African because he wore an animal print hat. Yeah. Right. Like that a, was just like, like some poofy, signaling. Poofy type yeah. Thing. Yeah. And one was a, a white woman of some sort of European, Eastern European, just because she stood uh, out in a room full of men. And there's like, yeah. so they really were trying to get some level of diversity, bless their hearts. Um, but again, everybody's green under the lights. So there's that. The casting shows it too. I mean, like that, there's some diversity in this movie, but, but it's also, <laughs> it's also, uh, you know, not good per se. I mean, I mean, here's a it's a film where, where none of the none of the leads are white. So we have to give it right. credit just right no, there totally. for that not saying. being the case. The 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 most especially because the movie before this Exit Wounds was Steven Seagal. Like now it's just like, no, we're gonna basically the, the most highest billed white person in the film is Tom Arnold. He's almost there as a reminder to white people that they're Wait, Steven Seagal is white? No, I'm just playing, but <laughs> <laughs> It's really crazy that they just always had a white dude in movies that like looked like, oh my god, Steven Seagal is fascinating. I want to I want to bring it back to some shot selection and get real technical. Sure, let's go. Let's when, do it. In that scene with the firefight, which I also feel like there was a ring of fire scene at the end of Romeo Must Die. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's, you know, if I'm just mixing the two up, but... So recycling, yeah. The part where he puts, like, the radioactive thing inside Ling's neck, and then they sh they have a camera shot of, like, inside his... Yes! <laughs> yes! Oh, they keep going to why? the shot of, like, this, like, light-up radioactive thing, but inside his throat, it's just, like, mm. very, very odd. <laughs> it, it's such a weird... Because we've gotten zero indication that, 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 that we would have any kind of weird gore or body stuff going on. Yeah, it's None. like a colonoscopy camera. It's just like a circular red fucking like bulbousy like I don't know. It was pretty funky, man. Do you think that was like shot later? Do you think it was one of those things where like we have to properly convey what this is doing inside of his mouth, so we need to like shoot the inside of a fake mouth to to show. <laughs> well, this director was he? Has he ever done any art films? No, this is this is a guy who was like basically a Hollywood uh, cinematographer, director of photography on like Falling Down, Speed, Species. He did like an Aerosmith video like he was doing just like Hollywood fare. This is never a guy who was doing weird art house films. And I, after I, and after these, he, he kept doing big action films that were flops, but did those. Wow. So he's Oscar nominated. For the verdict, terms of endearment, and yeah, mm. and he worked a lot with Sidney Lumet, mm. Prince of the City, and Guilty as Sin. Yeah, so that's like, or that's early stuff for him too. Yeah, he went on to do Love DMX, huh? 
He yeah, did love he, DMX. he. I think he loved working. I think what ended up happening because because Exit Wounds was a hit, and says like it made money at the box office, and I think he must have just enjoyed working with these people. He's like, let's just do this again. Let's just do that's this. A, that's essentially got the gang back together. And it minus, didn't do as well. It was a modest success, but it was still opening weekend. It was number one at the box office. Hmm. So yeah, it, it worked, made money. It wasn't like a huge, a huge thing, but it made money. And he ended up going on to do like he did the adaptation of the video game Doom. Oh, cool. With I think oh, with man. the rock. He yes, yeah, so he directs Doom and then he does another video game. He does like Street Street Fighter, the rise of Chun-Li, right? Huh. So I am learning that that exists. His last movie was called Dead Reckoning in 2020. And it stars no one of note and was released on video demand in 2020. And it was shot in 2016 under a different name. So he's had a rough, he's had a rough, for somebody nominated for like three Oscars, um, it's been pretty rough for Andrzej Barkowiak since unfortunately <laughs> he did if you go if you go through his IMDB he seems to have gone back to sort of like director of photography cinematography roles rather than helming pictures but this is sort of the thing that happens like because as as we sort of got talked about earlier this like Jeff and I have watched so many bad movies that we find out like we look up what did the director do after this after this yeah. terrible movie we watch what do they do and it is almost always they started doing like really bad movies or they disappeared oh, they yeah you know they just didn't get work anymore yeah. or they didn't do bad movies or a lot of them come back and do television because there's so much television that's like right. we need directors we need bodies to do things and like directors you don't expect to do TV have done TV and not even their own projects. It's like so, Neil LeBute does like a bunch of TV shit that he's not like a producer. He's just like, oh, I'm just directing an episode of television. I'm I'm looking up an interview with Andre Bartkowiak, and he does say, "I love music and movies. I have been so lucky, starting with Romeo Must Die, where I had Aaliyah, DMX, Timbaland, Stanley Clark, and Destiny's Child on the soundtrack." Mm-hmm. So he's he's a he's a big music head. He's a tune head, and the soundtrack for this movie is amazing. I wish they'd used it in the movie, but the soundtrack that came out on Def Jam for this is like awesome. Oh, it's a, it's excellent. Clips is on there. Fat yeah. Joe is on there. It is a stunning list of 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 it rappers. Not, it's weird how it didn't make the movie. So much of it didn't make the movie. Yeah, you get that Eminem song in the very beginning. Eminem with DMX and Obi Trice. Yeah. It you was get... nice to hear Obi try. I love Obi try. So bad. Yeah. I hated that. But I the Eminem Eminem is the opening note was really sour for me because I mean I've no. I've made very clear up I have no love for Eminem uh on this show, whatever else I think uh I've made that clear. It was nice to hear DMX by that point, but like that was the worst starting point for the movie where he's like, Oh, we have to hear Eminem shit. Ugh, that's disappointing. There was also a fair amount of like very active techno. I won't oh yeah, per so, se enjoyable, but it was heist there. techno, heist Heisty techno. techno, yeah, and then some like rap, rocky, new metal-y. There was some of that as well. It well, like for the UFC, day. the underground fighting, yeah, the daytime yeah. underground fighting. That was a weird because, soundtrack because cops won't go to a thing because it's during the day. That's how that's their <laughs> that's their scheme. Oh, we Dude, see listen, we get around the cops by having it happen the during the in this daytime. Movie are ab- like portrayed absolutely clueless human beings well they should be no I, right they don't, ACAB. they don't get any you that's rare in movies that they're like completely but they're at the end in fact dmx is like well i guess i'm gonna get some jail time and they just sort of have the sunset shot you know yeah Jetly says he'll see what he can do. Anywhere near them, no one. Yeah. These people are beaten and bloody, and everybody's just like, "Let them go, guys. Let them, let them get some." Air. But fucking, but hold on a second, because yeah. this is where this is where the ending I actually have an issue with is like Jet Lee, who came from Taiwan to investigate this thing and to stop this 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 like bad this guy, Taiwanese intelligence officer. Yeah, just murders this man with a a a vial in his throat that. Right. melts his face off right dmx is the one who they're worried about jail time gently just murdered a man on american soil gratuitously Stop. murdered that guy he's i mean we get a sense he's a bad dude 
We don't have any any. There's no. Uh, I'm not missing him or anything. But like, that's a there's grisly no murder real, that he committed. That's not. No that's extrajudicial killing. There's no real backstory to this human. He'll get deported. He, yeah, he'll get deported. Point, he flashes a badge. He talks about how he grew up with this enemy dude, and they were like cops together. And he has a daughter, an older daughter, fifteen-year-old daughter. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Which never gets referenced again. Nope. It's just so he can build a bond with DMX over his kid. But there is that. Right. There is. Which does I, not happen. They, they did use the soundtrack. They they used X Go and Give It to You when he's on the AT. Does they did? That was awesome. That was great. The very conveniently placed ATVs, just where that you needed beat them. Has been running through my head the entire time we've been talking. <laughs> na, 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 na. I mean, like the whole time, I've just been. Mm-hmm. It's a good. It's one of the best DMX songs. And then, of course, you got to get the ATV in there for all the Rough Riders. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah. it hits all the most. I mean, this movie is very much. It feels like a really cool Rough Riders video, and sometimes with, with Tom Arnold. However, there is a storyline and a plot. With Tom Arnold, in. but like, look, I mean, Tom Arnold for me, like, he's in Soul Play. That that's really all there is. Tom Arnold is <laughs> happy to be in movies, and he's happy to be in movies where rappers are in prominent roles. I just don't think DLX should have ever been a lead in a movie. I think he's a great, like, guy that's in movies, but to give him his whole his own like theatrical vehicle was just an abuse of power <laughs> well i mean you, you gotta keep in mind in 2003 he is like arguably the biggest rapper in the world right he is in the top three biggest rappers in the world probably right. like he has had he had five number one albums by 2003 and exit wounds was a hit exit wounds was a hit belly was beloved and he can do whatever he wants and he's going to be a star in this movie opposite jet lee he was so big, he could have done whatever he wanted to do, and he wanted to do movies. He wanted to be in action movies. I don't know. Like, I'm not a guy who will be like, oh, this is a good actor, or that's a bad actor. Like, everybody loves my guy, Riz, as, like, a great, another good rap rap. Of course, rap. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to me, I, I can't, like, I don't know what really constitutes making someone a good actor, but with DMX, I'm just like, this. this is not a good actor. And, like, it sucks. If you got me saying that, like, like Eminem is a better actor than DMX, which I just said. Then, like that's that's wow, that Oof. that is a that I'm is listening a though indictment. Listening. That's an indictment. I'm wow. listening. I did. He he delivers my favorite line because it's my favorite because of how bewildering it is. But he kind of orders Tom Arnold's character to do stuff. He's like, "Well, I need to find out. You need to find out what this stone is." Just yeah, that. right, right. And he then he says, I'm going to go return a favor to a friend. And it's like Tom Arnold's already like looking down and trying to figure out what's going on. And then he just like lets everyone know it's to a friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, OK. Thanks, DMX. You Thanks, can just DMX. go if you want. <laughs> Time's ticking down. My favorite DMX line is when he's in the car with with Romeo Must Die with Jet Li. And he goes, <laughs> All right, you know now it's time. You know PMD. He's PMD. Like, he's like, put me down. What is this all about? Oh, it's like, right, PMD. I was like, Parish making dollars. <laughs> is, is PMD in this movie? I'm like, so excited. I don't think anybody has ever said that's not even a real slang term. Like, who is the writer who was just like, and then you know, like rappers love acronyms and it sounds like something like a drill rapper from the uk would say because they love mm-hmm. like having an acronym and then mm-hmm. and then saying what the acronym is i mean so generally british people love to do that it, i mean i i like when they do it in british rap i don't like when they do it in cradle to the grave cradle to the yeah. grave. <laughs> you gotta say it like that cradle, cradle to. to the grave well they they over they even use that in the uh in the tagline for the film because they couldn't resist the twos it was like uh born to the life true to the code bad to the bone that is the tagline on the poster and all the twos are number twos but like that's the thing is this is a spiritual sequel like they're not the same people but it's it's sort of encouraged that you believe that the gang is back together to have another adventure 
Well, it's also it like, different characters. You know, like the classic, like where's Ignition, not the remix. It's like where's Cradle where One, it? the grave. Right. Yeah. Cradle the grave. I also <laughs> like that. The description says. When his daughter is kidnapped and held in exchange for diamonds, the leader of a crew of highly skilled thieves forges an mm. unlikely alliance with a Taiwanese intelligence officer. At no point in this film did I feel like this was a highly skilled group of thieves. Like, at every they had point, moves, I guess. They got in the a building. Lot of, a lot of the moves they got in the building. Pots. Honey pots. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I mean, I think people in this movie are very dumb. I would have easily seen them getting caught in the first, and and I mean they weren't even a success in the first scene. So it's they like, stop in the middle of the robbery to talk about the things that they're taking as a group, <laughs> and no one's even like loading shit. Like I could take it if you're talking about like just to pass the time while you're loading shit into a bag. They stop doing everything, dump out all of the materials, and just talk about them. Then put them back into bags. I All the like, while getting called by a guy who's like, I just called the cops. <laughs> if they got caught by the cops within like the first 30 minutes and the movie ended, I would have I would have liked this movie a lot more. Was, <laughs> like, a they lot, rewarded for their bad behavior. It would have like I would have liked it a lot more. I would have been like, that's that's deep. That's like really creative. And it would have saved me a lot of time. And I would be, be like, never. In like a heist movie, has that been done where they just get bagged and it's over? And it would have actually been like good because these guys are not like believable. And like that should have been a very important note that like we, how do you like guys act more believable? But it like it wasn't meant to be like a comedy of like people that are bad at stealing shit, but it definitely felt like people that weren't good at stealing shit. So would you would you watch Cradle Three, The Grave? No. Yeah, neither would I. Actually. But would you watch Cradle One, The Grave? Ah, uh, I'm a little curious now. Yeah, right. I would watch. Now it's like there's the backstory we're missing. Like we've we've pitched a, a number of people in our in our time as as podcasters. We've we've pitched a number of people. Whenever you're ready to write Cradle One, The Grave, I'm <laughs> here. I'm ready. I watch together. Cradle won the grave if it was an origin story of Dragon's character. Right. Done. There we Done. go. All Please. right. So the three of us are going to pen this movie. We're going to make it happen. I love it. Or if it was about Kelly Who. Well, I think you start to build out a cinematic universe, right? Right. Is you, you, you create these things. Maybe Kelly Kelly Who's character gets a TV series. You know. I'd watch a TV show with Dragon and Kelly Who. One thing I liked about this movie is that there's no like weird Stockholm syndrome or like nobody really like has sex in the middle of this crisis. They're all business. I'll give them yeah. that. Yeah. The only time there's a sexual situation is, as you keep saying, because you seem to love this word honey so pot. much. Honeypot. You love the word honeypot. You're like, you're Not like poo. One of you're them like finally worked. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, one of them was finally like. Nate Anderson was also honeypotting. Yes, um, yes, we include him in the honeypotting. Oh, definitely. Homophobic honeypotting, but indeed, it was that. And not the worst example of homophobia I've seen in a movie from this yeah. era, and certainly yeah. from an action movie, but, uh, you know, still kind of rough to watch. Still yeah. kind of rough to watch him do a, a semi-lisp uh, as he's flirting with this guy. Again, it's like, it's the, this is no Ocean's become Eleven. become sassy, this is, Anthony. This isn't the Italian job. These are not, these are not thieves who are really getting the job done it's like by hook or by crook you know they or are did they, by the they never their actually the stole anything and kept it no everything all was of it was taken gone. from them gently took everything except the stones and then they immediately yeah. lose the stones <laughs> the next scene is them essentially losing the stones they lose the stones they lose <laughs> then, they, then if they lose everything and then he gets his daughter taken from him i love this movie. The end of the movie, he gets his daughter back and he's like you know what i think i'm done with crime and it's like yeah. great you suck Dude, at you it. You know what though? You should stop. You live that's really and good. You learn. DMX lives and he learns. And that's what happens in the film. Wait, there is also something else worth mentioning. The mm -hmm. best in the movie is probably Jet Li flying down the side of a building from like ledge to ledge. And Ooh, yeah, they have that shot where it, you there must have been like um like a thing at the bottom. So if he falls off, like, but mm -hmm. it looked like a real stuntman or maybe Jet Li himself. 
like jumping from like ledge to ledge. That bit of um, of stunt work was stunning. And I did I watching it, I even though you couldn't see the face, I believed it was Jet Lee. Like it seemed to me like it must be Jet Lee. And that's just it was so that was so well done. And it's you get like excited watching that scene. I know it's literally that. like they open the movie like that and then it's all downhill from there. It's ridiculous. Cause it was like this thing could be promising, and then the whole thing just gets progressively worse. Like it is the <laughs> it is the like, how do you get from this kind of elegant ballet of shunting yourself down the building to shoving a capsule into a man's throat to melt his face to death and it was really good like cinematography really good direction for their beautiful and like it just had so much promise they just start you off with this false hope and then just mm. rip your heart out the best bad movies do Jeff. Yes, Gary. Faith. Faith. Yeah, we, we didn't we didn't really discuss Faith. Faith. We didn't discuss that. We didn't discuss it. They didn't discuss that. That was just something they did three times in the film, in the two hours that we saw them. With no explanation. No. Faith. It's it is elements like that that helped me understand why Heems did not like the movie. Is it is it DMX's character is named Fate? Fate, F A I T. Right, but also like that doubles as fate, you know? And then there's faith, which is what gets you through your fate. I thought it was more like a fate incomplete. I mean, it's spelled like that, but it's spelled like F A I T and then you just throw an H on it's faith. I think So like is the faith mm-hmm. in DMX? I don't know, man. Like I really enjoyed this movie for big dumb fun, but it was big dumb fun. We are we are approaching this with sort of the bad movie battle mentality, and we are not entirely peeling back. Though. We're peeling, but we're peeling this back enough to so be. You like, don't want to talk about the fact that his daughter was a, a genius, a plucky, escape, young a better escape artist than Dragon, the escape artist that was supposed to be an escape artist. Can I just say that I think that the that the daughter, DMX's daughter character in the film. Mm-hmm shows her pluckiness and her resolve mm-hmm. and her resourcefulness mm-hmm. so well that I think she should have been part of the crew in the first place. I don't see what they're waiting for. Child labor laws, you're thieves. There are no child labor laws for yeah. you. She can fit into small spaces. She has more sense in her head than most of the people that we deal with. I think she is the cradle through the grave that we're waiting for. Okay, so it's is, like... It's, this, it's a Kill Bill sequel. The grown-up version of this human has yeah. taken on dad's old traits yes and teams back up so it's a future thing because we were talking about a prequel before right but i can and, see this because yeah. that'll be okay so cradle one the grave would be the the prequel and then cradle three the grave after Is cradle this... one just blows up yeah yeah we now we've justified it cradle three the grave becomes the sequel and again How like, obviously would this person be now I mean, look, that's 2000. She was nine in 2003. Right. So do the math. She'd 42? be. 2000, it's 2023, Jeff. Add 20 to nine. No, I can't. 29. <laughs> She'd be 29. Yeah, my, my math is screwed up. Listen, my math is you, screwed up because of that stupid scene where they were just screaming numbers at me for for 10 that's, minutes. That's what you get for trying to like. Math I really check. tried to admit, I watched that scene like a couple of times too. You every time seriously I saw it. Like, were what auditing the, the fuck scene? are you guys doing? Who audited that dumb <laughs> it's an incredible scene. scene? That ridiculously stupid it's so fun good. scene. It's so good. But she would be 29. And the thing is, obviously, DMX. Now's the time. Having passed away. Physical. RIP DMX. Dead, like, dad story. People eat this shit up. Like there's a narrative thing that you can go in there and you can you can pay homage to him. But like Anthony Anderson still around, joy, you can absolutely bring him the back. Pain, the laughter, Tom Arnold the could pain. come back. Gabriel Union could come back. Tom Arnold was never canceled. No, he, he actually ended up being like really anti-Trump. Huh. 
So he's he's managed to avoid some some things Joy that maybe like, and pain. I'm not doing this. Gary and rain. Pop it up, pop it up, Gary. Faith. Faith. It's the Cabbages Podcast Network. <laughs>